Well, we're talking about this weekend beholding Jesus, looking at him, looking into his face. And as you behold him and you see him in his word and you see him in all his glory, in his fullness, what will happen in your life? You will be changed and you will become like him. Now, I don't believe that that just means to become like him in your personality or in your actions. It does mean those things. But did you know that can also be becoming like him in your physical body? That can mean becoming like him and changing into his very image of health. If he is in his very nature, healing and health and wholeness, when you become like him from being in his presence or staring at him in his word, you will become like him in your body, the wholeness and perfection. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, he reached down, raised Jesus up from the dead, and when he did that, he raised you up with him. So that same power is at work in you this morning. And in Ephesians chapter 1, man, I love people that love the word of God. I can't give you anything but this word. And that's all you need. (laughs) This is um, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Let's pray this morning before we get started. Father, we love you so much. We are so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for for you giving us your word for you sending your only son to die a horrible death for us so that you could restore us to great fellowship with you and right standing with you so that you could restore us in all ways, spirit, soul, and body. And we thank you, Father, for your word, that there is revelation in this place this morning and there is life in this place because Jesus is here. And we thank you for it. We praise you and we thank you for ears to hear, Lord what you are speaking to us. And we open our hearts to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father. This morning I want you to behold God as your Father. I want you to see Him as not only a God Almighty of the Old Covenant, but I want you to see Him as a Father in the new covenant, in the new relationship that we have him. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Notice here that this scripture is written in the past tense. He has blessed you. When Jesus came 
and died for you, took your sin, shame, stripes, pain, punishment. He finished the work. You are already blessed. It would help you to think in terms of already being blessed. Not saying the Lord will bless me someday or he will do it for me. I'm hoping that he'll do something for me. No, he has already blessed you. Now, the awesome thing is that we had the Holy Spirit on this earth, and he is still moving and ministering and revealing Jesus to you all the time. The, the work is not finished as far as God is not still moving for you. He's not still doing things for you. He is still doing things for you. The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. So Jesus is still ministering. He has a present-day ministry for you. But his work concerning your healing is a finished work. It is already done and completed. And so I want you to think about that. You know, there, it is important for us right now when we're talking and beholding God as our Father, it is important for us to begin to change our minds about God. Change your minds about how you've always thought about God. God is not angry with you. He poured out all his wrath on Jesus. And Jesus took that anger for you. And, and he's not angry at you. He's enamored with you. Did you know that? He is absolutely, totally in love with you. As a father would be with his son. You know, I've always known God as my father, but I never knew him like I know now that I've had a child. Now, I believe the Lord can do that for you if you don't have a child. He can show you those things. But I have never known what it felt like to love a child or what the father feels for me until I had baby justice. Man, I'm telling you what, that first night I held him in the hospital, I just, man, I just cry about it thinking, thinking about it. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, man, he's so cute. I would sit there, and I just, I would hold him, cuddle with him, and I'd just look at him thinking, this is the greatest miracle. You know, God thinks about you like that. Yes. Yes. You are the greatest miracle to him. Right. You are precious and valuable to him so wonderful so he's not angry with you he's enamored with you he's in love with you so we must change our thinking about God we must not only see him as a God of war but as a gentle father he is a gentle loving father he is not an angry God he is not mad at you I just have to keep saying it there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing you could have done on this earth, no sin you could have committed that would change the way he loves you. He is enamored with you. So let's see here. We're in verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love. You are perfect before him now because of Jesus. 
When Jesus came and he, re, he, he changed you on the inside, when you received Jesus, this born-again man on the inside of you was made new and perfect. That's why singing to the Lord out of your spirit man, singing in spirit, or singing in your prayer language in other tongues, that, why that's so powerful is because you're giving voice to a, from a perfect spirit. You are speaking and singing out things that are perfect unto God. That's why oftentimes when I don't know what to pray, I'll, I'll begin to pray in the Spirit or I'll begin to sing in the Spirit. And when I do that, I'm praying a perfect prayer unto God. And the Lord is able to make intercession for me based on that. Just as He chose us, He didn't only create you, He chose you unto Himself. Before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now I have some friends and they are actually thinking about adopting a child right now. They're not actually thinking about it. They, are in, they have thrown themselves in the process. And they've been praying about it for some time. But there has been something going on on the inside of them that has drawn them to want to go to another country and rescue a child and adopt them as their own. And I love to think about the thought of adoption, how powerful that is. I never knew until I sat at my kitchen table with them and one of my best friends cried to me and told me about this baby that is in her heart. Now, the mom and dad have never met this child yet. They haven't met this little girl, but God has shown them in their heart that they were to adopt this baby. And so they begin to love this baby before they've ever even met her. And they're desiring to be with her. They're longing to have her as a part of their life. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just so neat to me to see that they would go to all lengths to have this baby. Oftentimes people won't adopt because they think about the, the um, huge amount of money that it's going to cost. It can cost tens of thousands of dollars to adopt a child. Or they think about, you know, the, the, how it will have an effect on their own family right now. You know, how will this affect my other children? How, am I, how can I spend this much money? Well, this couple that I know will pay any amount of money to have this little girl. Why? Because this little girl is in their hearts. They are always thinking about her. They know that she is theirs. And they'll go to any length. They will pay any amount of money for this little girl. You know, the Bible says you were bought with a price. And God went to the greatest length to get you back to himself. He would have paid any price, and he did, with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, his own blood, was the price paid for you. I love this, what Jeremy says. He says the price paid determines the value. You know, you are valuable because of what was given for you. You are valuable for what, because of what God did for you. And I love to think about it, that God went through that whole adoption process for us. He went through that whole thing for us. He sat back and he, he thought about what it would take to get you and to have you in his family. He thought about, he sat back and he thought about that it would cost him his 
only son. If any of you have a son in here and you love that precious baby or that, that child that you have, man, can you imagine? He sat back and thought about how much it would cost. The cost would be the blood and the death of his son. He sat back and thought of that, but he still went through the adoption process for you to get you to himself. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in Jesus. And in him we have all these things. Redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You have a daddy. You've been adopted into the family of God. I love one time I heard Brother, uh, Brother Copeland, he said, we are not a religion. We are the family of God. Hallelujah. That totally changed my life. You know, the Father, he has a family, and you're a part of it. You don't have to try to receive from him just as God. You receive from him as a loving father. You're probably saying to me, Sarah, what does this have to do with my healing? I need to hear healing scriptures. I need to hear this. I need to hear this. But the truth is, you need to hear that you have a daddy and he loves you. And if he loves you, he'd give you anything. He'd give you healing. He'd give you his love. He'd give you everything you could ever need in this life. A father would give you anything. A father would give his son anything. He loves you. Go to Romans chapter 8 with me. He went through the adoption process for you. Thought about it, spent time thinking about you, and still went through with it. You know, I, I think about that scripture and it says, being without you know, without blame before him in love. And it's all that is talking about in Christ. He's done that for you in Christ or by the work of Jesus. And none of it's without the work of Jesus. And I think about, you know, when God, when God looks at you as a child, he sees you through Jesus. Jesus became your middleman. He became this man that stood between you and God. I like to call it the Jesus filter. He put a filter between you and him. And every time he looks at you and sees you, he sees you through the Jesus filter. And, and, and nothing can change that. Nobody can go and grab Jesus, the Jesus filter, and pull it out of the, the coffee pot. No. Now, I, only think, I think of it in terms of the really simple things. You know, a coffee pot has a little filter. How many of you guys like coffee in here? Well, you have this, this coffee filter that goes in the coffee pot, and you put the beans in there, then you put the, pour the water over the beans, and what happens is all of the wonderful essence of the, the beans, the coffee beans, and all of the, the best-tasting part of that beans, the flavor, begins to flow out of those beans into the cup that you drink. Jesus is like that to us as our head. And when God looks at us, he only sees that wonderful essence of Jesus. He only sees the best parts of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? 
That's how he looks at you, through the Jesus filter. Let's look here in verse, Romans chapter 8, verse, let's see here, 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now there's a spirit of bondage, and that comes from that, that law and that bondage of the old covenant, having to work for something, having to earn your healing, having to earn what you have in this life. That's bondage, and that, that will produce in you fear, failure. It'll produce in you, you know, a, 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 you never think that you even have an opportunity to come boldly before the Lord. It'll produce in you fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Instead, he chose to give you another way. Jesus came and he changed all the rules. And he came and he gave you a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. Did you know one of the most powerful ways that you can receive from the Lord is by coming before him and crying out, I have a daddy. I have a father. I have a daddy. I am loved. I am a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the King. And if I'm a child of the King, then I have the inheritance of a King. I have everything that my father has. Man, I got a rich daddy. I got a rich daddy, I got a healthy daddy, I got a, a really, really smart daddy. Do you know that means that I can be smart? I can, I can have wisdom. Don't think if any of you guys in school and you need, you're going to be taking tests soon, you can pass those tests. And you know what? You can do it and you can excel even above people that you think would excel above you. Why? Because you got a daddy and he's smart. And he knows things. He's wise. Anyway, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, the Holy Spirit will always come to you when you need healing in your body. And he will remind you that you have a daddy. And he'll remind you of what your father did for you by sending his only son. The Holy Spirit will always remind you of what Jesus did. And that you're a child of the Most High God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. You know what I love about that? It says, you're a child of God. Now, you know, some, some people on the earth, earthly parents, that don't really have a revelation of God's goodness, don't have a revelation of what it means to be a mother or father and a man or a woman of God, Oftentimes, they may favor one child over another child. They may have a favorite son, and they may love this son more than they love their daughter. Or they may love they, something about this when this child is more special. Now, you can't even fathom that if you, if you love God and you know the love of God. You can't imagine doing that with your children. But people on the earth, some people do that. You know, they pick favorites. God, right here it says that we are not only are we heirs with God, but we're joint heirs with Christ. He has me, and he has Jesus, and we are joint heirs. We have the same inheritance. If you have feelings of jealousy 
or you deal with those things, if you deal with um, insecurity because you're always looking at other people, it's important to remember that you have a daddy and you're joint heirs with Jesus. Why would you have anything to be insecure about? Why would you have anything to worry about or to think about? You're joint heirs with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus, because of him, because of what did God did for you, God went through that adoption process for you. I love it. You know, adopted children, they know how much they're loved. Sometimes they can know how much they're loved more than a, a biological child. Why is that? Well, because an adopted child was chosen. Yeah. That parent, they went through, oh man, they went through it all. They went to all lengths to get that child. Sometimes some, some women, they accidentally get pregnant. <laughs> no, no baby, no person is an accident in the eyes of God. But some, some parents may think of that. Man, I accidentally got pregnant with that third one. I, didn't, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, was, I thought I was finished. But the truth is that you, oh, man, oh, how God loves you. He loves you so much. The adopted child, the chosen one, chosen of God handpicked, selected by God. Hallelujah. So you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How do you glorify God with your body? Well, you can take time and you can, you can worship him with your body, not just with singing, but with your day-to-day -day lifestyle. But you also give glory to God when you're healthy. So Jesus bought you with the price in order that you could glorify him with this body. Hallelujah. That is awesome. Well, let's see. Where do we want to go from here? Let's just read a scripture. Mm. Man, we have a father. Hallelujah. Why don't you just close your eyes and say that. Lift your hands up to the Lord. I have a daddy. Say that. I have a father. And he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Matthew 7, verse 11. It says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things for those who will ask him? He did not make this complicated. He's your daddy, and he wants to give you perfection in your body he wants to perfect that which concerns you first john 3 i love this is in the message and this is a, one of our our main scriptures for this conference but i want to read it to you out of the message it says what marvelous love the father has extended to us just look at it we are called the children of god that's who we really are and that's why the world doesn't even recognize us. Who cares what the world thinks about you? I could care less. I stopped caring a long time ago. I remember being a little girl and I'd be with my friends and, and they'd all be, uh, even people that were Christians, and I remember hearing this, it made me so mad. I'm, I was a little girl and I did not want anybody talking bad about my daddy, my father, my father God daddy, or my other daddy, he's back there too. But... But they would get together. And I remember one girl said this. She said, she, uh, 
I think she broke her leg one day, and she said, now, you know, I got, uh, the Lord, I, I know he caused me to break my leg so my other friend could take my ticket and go to that concert that I had a ticket for. And I was like, are you kidding me? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, I had to learn later that I don't need to argue about things of God, the things of God with people. But I was seriously like, are you serious? You think your daddy would break your leg so somebody else could go to a stupid concert? I mean, come on. Seriously? Seriously. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff that I, don't, I, don't, I just stopped caring a long time ago. Who cares what the world thinks of you? They don't know. But you have a loving father. You have a daddy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just wanted to tell you how much God loves you this morning. And I wanted to tell you that you are faultless before his face. You are faultless before him. You are without blame before him in love. And anything that you need to receive from him, you can receive this morning. Do not fear you are loved. Do not fear you are loved. Do not fear because you are loved. Why do you not have to fear? Because you're loved. Why do you not have to fear that someday you're going to have the same disease as your parent had? Because you're loved of the Lord. Why do you not have to fear about what's going on in your body right now? Because he loves you and he takes care of you. Because your father loves you and he takes care of you. Oh, how he loves you. Look, wake up and look at who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. And I love reading this scripture and, and thinking about, you know, what manner of love is this? What manner? What kind of love? Jeremy talked about it last night. What exotic love this is. That he would, he would give us or bestow upon us. That's that free gift we were talking about earlier. Another word for that in the Greek is a grant. Have you ever been in college and you, and you had a grant for school? You never have to pay that back. What is this manner of love that he would bestow upon us? That he would call us the children of God? That we would be called children? That you have a family? You know, I love, I love thinking about this, that we're no longer slaves, but we are daughters and sons. We are no longer slaves, but we have a status of sonship. We don't have the status of a slave to bondage or fear. We have a status of a son or a daughter. Man, status. Don't worry about your status. Don't worry about the world thinks about you. You have the status of a son, of a king. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Do you know the Lord is always thinking about you? He has always been thinking about you. The Bible says he never slumbers nor sleeps. Your father is always thinking about you. You know, baby justice, I'm always thinking about baby justice. Jeremy is always thinking about baby justice. Now, me as a mommy, I think about him all the time because I have to make sure he has his food on time. I have to make sure he gets his nap on time. I have to just watch over all these things with him. I'm always thinking about him. And every time I think about him, I smile. I smile and I thank the Lord for him. I don't ever think about him and, and think, I cannot stand this child. I hate that child. 
I cannot believe that he came and cried to me because he wanted milk. What, is, what do I do? I say, Lord, oh, what a gift he is to me. What a precious gift he is to me. You know, Jeremy and I oftentimes... <laughs> We basically, you know, before you have a kid, uh, we don't even remember what it was like before we had a kid now. <laughs> you know, it's like, what did we do? What? I'm sure that there were times before we had a kid. We have pictures. We, um, we have pictures of us on vacation in Hawaii and, and, you know, just enjoying our life together. We could go to the movies anytime we wanted. We could just pick up and go out to eat. Now, we don't remember what that was like. We have a schedule every day. We uh, make sure that we spend time you know, every, every few hours. I feed baby justice, put him down for a nap. Jeremy takes him. I get a study for a few minutes. We have this schedule. We have this routine. We don't remember what it was like. But you know what? That doesn't matter. We're so in love with this kid. And oftentimes, you know, we just sit around and talk about him. Now, his bedtime is around 8 o'clock. And so we always have bath time together, and, and Jeremy and I take him in there. We put him in the bathtub, and we play and splash around. You know, he splashes around, and he's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. I hope he's doing, how is he doing right now? I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> See, I'm always thinking about him. And, and uh, Jeremy and I oftentimes will put him in bed. Then we'll go in our room, and, and sometimes, it seems like almost all the time before we go to bed, we just start talking about him. We can't stop thinking about this kid. We talk about him, we talk about him, we think about him, we talk about him. We talk about him, we talk about him, we think about him, and we talk about it. God is always thinking about you. And so sometimes, you know, Jeremy will walk in, and one time he came in, and I was laughing so hard. He said, he said uh, you know, I've just been thinking about baby justice. I think we might have a, a beaver living in his bedroom. And I was like, what? A beaver lives in his bedroom? I had no clue what he was talking about. And then he pulled out his phone and proceeded to show me a picture of the side of Justice's crib where the wood is. Justice has gnawed a well, He must have been teething. And he gnawed a hole in the side of his crib. And it looks like a beaver is living in his room. So, you know, we always are talking about, you know, I... When I, I, I mean, we're just thinking about them all the time. We talk about it to each other. You know, God and Jesus, they're always talking about you up there. Jesus is telling the Father, man, oh, how I love, how I love him. What, I, what the price I paid for him. The Father's saying, man, I love them so much that I, I sent you. Oh, that's so cool. Man, aren't they funny? Isn't that funny how he drinks his Coke? Who cares? We don't care. I don't care what Jeremy looks like when he's drinking a Coke, but the father's probably like, isn't that cute how he puts slips around that cola? And I say that about justice when he's drinking a sippy cup. You know, it's silly. But, you know, when, when, we're, when we're away from justice, which is not very often, um, not very long ago we were at the victory campaign, and we always go to, the, um, um, to Kenneth and Gloria's victory campaign, and we were there, and, and I was sitting on the front row, and I had someone watching baby justice at home, and I couldn't stop thinking about this kid. The whole time I was away from him, I couldn't stop thinking about him. I was texting her nonstop saying, like, silly things. Like, okay, did he eat all his peas? Um, uh, how was his diaper? Was it poopy? I mean, I was, like, texting her all these things. Like, who, who cares? Who cares if he has a poopy diaper? Let her take care of the poopy diaper. I'm thinking about his poopy diaper on the front row of a conference. <laughs> Who really cares? But, you know, God cares about the details of our life. Now, <laughs> that wasn't the most ideal example. I mean, sorry, Lord. But, but he cares about the little details of you. The Bible says the very hairs on your head are numbered. 
God is not angry with you. He is enamored by you. He is so completely in love with you. Ah, he's so good. Well, he is so good that he sent you Jesus. And this morning, I want you to behold Jesus as your finisher. We beheld God as our Father, but now we have the opportunity to behold Jesus as our finisher. And he is going to take all the sin. He is going to take away all these problems. He is going to restore man to fellowship with God. He is going to bring God back with his family. All those people that were proclaiming that over lots of period of time, Jesus cried out and said, it's finished. What they've spoken has come to pass, and I have done the work and finished it. I've completed this work for them. I have healed their body. I have taken their sin. I've restored them to the Father. And in, in Numbers chapter 21, does anybody have an Amplified Bible? I love this scripture because it's, let me see, I'll probably need it in just a second. I love this scripture because it is a type and a shadow of Jesus, who he was to be as our healer. I can get there. Here we go. You know, the whole Old Testament is full of types and shadows, things that are to be about Jesus, that we're, we're to tell of him. When you look and open up the scripture, you should be able to see Jesus in the Old Testament. Let's see here in verse 4. They, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea. Now, the Israelites are on a journey, and they are coming. Uh, they were out coming into the Promised Land, wanting to go into the Promised Land. And it says, To go around the land of Edom, the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. In other translations, if you look it up, you'll see that they became unthankful. And the people spoke against God and Moses. There you, you got two things that are going wrong here. <laughs> Becoming discouraged and unthankful. And then you begin to speak it out of your mouth. When you give voice to that discouragement and give voice to those things, you open up a whole world, you open yourself to a whole world of things that you don't need having going on in your life. They spoke against God and Moses, and it says, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now this bread right here is a type of Jesus. Jesus said in the New Covenant that I am the bread of life. So what these people were doing, they were despising the bread or the manna that God had freely given them. What does that word despise mean? It doesn't mean just to think bad about. It means to actually become unthankful for it or to count it lightly, to take it lightly. So this is a type of people despising or taking lightly the body and the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Now, actually, the Lord is not sending this to destroy his people. These people have opened themselves up to it. If you go back and read the real Hebrew, you'll see that they were the ones that opened themselves up to it. And he permitted it. He had to. We have a free will, and we can open ourselves up to those things. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people in Israel died. They became sick, and they became weak. 
And then they, there was death as a result of it. Man, death as a result of unthankfulness, of being discouraged, letting yourself get to that point. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, <clears throat> for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And, it sh- and everything the Lord does, he does it to show you something. And everything he put in this word, he does it for your benefit. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, or when he beholds it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now this bronze serpent, Jesus isn't a snake. You can't think of it in literal terms. You have to think of it as a type. And Jesus was the cursed creature, the one who became a curse for you. So that you didn't have to have the result of sin. So you didn't have to have what produced as a result of that sin. And so Jesus became the cursed creature. And I love this. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having became a curse for us. He, Jesus, was set high up on a cross and was beaten and tortured and became a curse so that you could be blessed. Do you remember what we saw just now in Ephesians chapter 1? That he has blessed you, and that was through the work of Jesus. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs in a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus became this cursed creature and was a type of this. Man, does that not want does that not make you want to be thankful for every little thing that you have? I have seen people that have been sick and they have had some really tragic disease or problem come up in their life. And they had several things that they needed to start working in their body again. And and, and the thing that the Lord put on my heart and he showed so many great men and women of God this is that there is a time to find out from him what you should be speaking over certain areas of your body not just don't just pick random things to start saying go before the Lord in your relationship with your father and get wisdom from him on what things you need to be speaking over your body they'd begin to speak over those parts of their body that one part they picked one part say they had a problem in their leg well they started speaking to their little toe and you know what? That little toe would start working. And it start moving. It may, just, it may have been completely still, almost looked like it was paralyzed. But they'd speak to that toe, and it'd start moving. Well, you know what that's time for after It's time to give thanks. It's time to thank the Lord for that little thing in your life. That one little thing, start thanking Him for that. I'm telling you, when you begin to thank the Lord for the little things, you will not be able to imagine the things that He will do for you that are so big. 
This is the power of thanksgiving. There is power in giving thanks. I remember a while back I was, I was spending time thanking the Lord. Man, he showed me this so clearly. I started thanking him for all these little things he had done for me when I lived in Branson. One time I, need, I needed some money for something, and I got a check in the mail for $300. That $300 to me back then was a lot of money. I needed that $300. I went in my bedroom, and I fell on my face before the Lord, and I began to cry out and thank him for that $300. And some people may think that's nothing. Why would you thank him? Oh, I'm used to that. That comes into me every other day. But you know what? My response to a gift given was thanksgiving. And that is always the proper response to a gift given. So I begin to thank him. You know, Jeremy and I, when we get partner mail, we get letters in the mail from our partners for $10 or $5 or $3,000. All those amounts to us are the very same. The thanksgiving that comes and wells out of our hearts is the same thanksgiving for every amount, no matter the amount. Why? Because this is a precious gift and a seed from people that we love. And so I began to thank the Lord for everything he was doing in my life. I went, I went back and I just remembered. The Bible says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Remembering is a powerful tool in worship. Remembering, forgetting not, is a powerful activator of your faith. Thanksgiving is the language of faith. And I began to go back and think about all these things the Lord had done for me. Man, I thought about the friends that he had brought into my life. Oh, man. I thought about my family that he's given me who loves God. I thought about that $300 he gave me. I thought about that $25 that he blessed me with. I thought about all these little things. I began to give him thanks. And then I noticed I got so caught up in Thanksgiving that I started being thankful for things that I hadn't even seen yet. But it got to the point where I didn't even recognize the middle ground. I didn't even see what was behind me or before me. That is Thanksgiving. That is faith. That is when you come to a place where faith has been activated in your fellowship with the Lord. You don't even realize you're so caught up in thanksgiving, you don't even realize when you've passed from the past things that have already happened to the things that haven't, you haven't even seen in your future. That's seen by faith. Lord, I saw what you did for me five years ago. And I saw what you did for me yesterday. Oh, I saw what you did for me there. Oh, man, I'm remembering your goodness. I'm thinking about it. I'm giving thanks for that. And I thank you, Lord, for my husband that's come. I thank you for my husband. I thank you that he is such a man of God. And I began to do that, and I hadn't even met Jeremy yet. But it was like I knew him. Because I started giving thanks for all those things that he had done for me. And it translated into those things that were to come. That's when you enter into true fellowship and thanksgiving. Oh, God is so good. And now I have my man of God. <laughs> and I have so many wonderful things in God. Man, thanksgiving is powerful. And so these people became unthankful on their way. Oh, some translations say they became thankful along their path. They became, I'm sorry, they became unthankful along their path. And they became unthankful, and they 
dishonored as a type the body of Jesus. Did you know this is why communion is so powerful in your life and can be so powerful? Because you can come before the communion table with the, the, your cup that represents the blood of Jesus. You can come before that communion table with your bread that represents the bread of life. We're just talking about that. You can come with those elements and give thanks and remember back to what Jesus has done. What The Holy Spirit is here in the earth today. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's what I'm going to talk to you about in just a second. Okay, y'all, I'm not going to take forever. We're almost done here. Thank you for hanging in with me. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the Word of God is delicious. Mm. Let's see here. I don't want to, I'm going to skip around here. Go to Luke chapter 17 with me. I'll look at one, one story real quick. This story is about the ten lepers, and I'll just preface it with this. I'll tell you a little, a little uh, bit about it. These ten lepers were needing healing in their body. They needed a touch from Jesus. It says in verse 11, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered into a certain village. There met with him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. Now, you know, these ten men, they could have been uh, they all had the same disease, but they could have been at any spectrum within that disease. Some of them could have just had leprosy. Some of them could have been to the point where their skin was flaking off. You don't know where they were in their walk. We're all in different areas of life, and but God is still a God of healing, and he, he will meet you wherever you're at with whatever dish issue you're dealing with in your body. Nothing is more, nothing is harder to him. The Bible says that when he was in, in, in the New Testament, I think it's in Luke, maybe chapter 10, I'm not sure. But he says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? Yeah. You know, the same power that forgave your sins is the same sa saving power that works healing in your body, produces health in you. When you came before the Lord and you said you confessed him as your Savior, what did you do? What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 10, 10? What does he say? He said, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And what happened at that point? Right then, you were brought into the family of God and became born again. And all your sins were completely washed away and forgiven. How does it work with healing? It works the exact same way. You come before the Lord, you see in his word that he is your healer, and you confess what he says about it. You speak the word over your situation. And guess what happens? He goes to work instantly. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. You know, when, you're, when you speak the word of God out of your mouth, I wish you could see what happens in the spiritual realm. You may not see it in the physical right away, but if you knew what worked for you right when you spoke the word, in the spirit, if you just close your eyes and think about this, you speak it, and as a sword, it begins to it sharply moves out of your mouth and pierces through and goes through and cuts through any problem that you're dealing with. That's the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. In the spirit, it goes to work for you immediately. Now, when you begin to continue to thank the Lord for it after that, it continues to manifest. It may not be right away, but the word of God works, and it is powerful. It is the only saving force in your life. Jesus is the only 
solution. He is the only one that can fix it. So here we see he, they, he passed through the midst of Samaria. And the, the, let's see. Then as they entered a certain village, there met with him two, ten lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, sometimes it's important to cry out for mercy. Did you know that? Sometimes it's important to stop and say, Lord, have mercy on me. You dealt with me to stop drinking those, those Cokes. And, he, it, it, you know, sometimes you've got to cry out and say, Lord, forgive me for not listening to you when you said not to go there. Forgive me for opening up my, my, my life to this. Forgive me for eating this way if you've told me to eat differently. You know, oftentimes when you pray and cry out to the Lord for healing, he'll give you a natural solution to your issue. And he'll show you all along the way. I remember I was studying some of these things one time, and I was in my bathroom getting ready, and I just was like, Lord, I was, in my heart I was longing for people to know his healing power, and I was, I was desiring for people to experience it more. Why are we seeing people go through this word, people? Why are we seeing people sick in the word? And he said, Sarah, my grace is sufficient for you, and all along the way I will show you. I will never let something happen to you without having shown you all the way along, having ministered to you, having spoken to you, having showed you what you shouldn't put in your body, how you should, how you should take care of this temple. So sometimes we need to cry out for mercy. You know, God's so good. If we've done it, we've messed up. Man, you can cry out for mercy, and he can totally, in that moment, do a work in you. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that they went and they were cleansed. I love this. It says, and it was that as they went, or they did what he spoke to them, as they went and, and did what he said in his wisdom, that's when they were healed and cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where were they not, were they not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This leper was the one who was made completely whole and cleansed. I have this written down. I wanted to read it to you in the Weiss translation. It said, your faith, Jesus said, your faith has restored your body to soundness of health. That's perfect soundness. That's, I mean, that's complete for your spirit, your soul, and your body. I love that. Well, I want to tell you, you know, Jesus finished the work for you in... Um, in uh, Hebrews, it says that he is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. Yeah. He started this thing and he finished it. Yes, he and then we see later on, if you go through and study, you'll see that there is one more person in this group that you can behold as your healer. You and me have the opportunity to behold the Holy Spirit as your perfecter. You've beheld your father God is your Father, you've beheld Jesus as your finisher, and now you behold Him, the Holy Spirit, as your perfecter. 
Jesus finished the work, but the Holy Spirit is the one that is perfecting it and bringing it to pass. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, I'm going to read this to you. We'll go there. You look at it with me real quick. Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. Now get a picture of this. The Spirit of God hovering upon the face of the waters. You've got all three people still at work here, all three persons. You've got God the Father, you've got Jesus, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and they're all working, but the Holy Spirit, he's sitting here hovering on the face of the water of the earth. And then God said, so God is about to speak something out. He said, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. Now who was the one who brought to pass that light in the earth? It was the Holy Spirit. He was waiting here. He was hovering. He was, he was moving on the earth, waiting for someone to speak the word of God. And when he spoke the word, the Holy Spirit brought it to pass. The Holy Spirit is always the agent in the work that will bring to pass the work of healing in your body. Whatever you need to happen in your life, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus said, do not be afraid. I have sent you, my comforter. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Your comforter, he is here. And he sent you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job in the earth is to perfect you. All areas of you. Everything you need in your life to bring to pass what you speak out of your mouth. When your speech lines up with the word of God, the Holy Spirit is hovering and he is moving and he is ready to go to work on your behalf. That Jesus finished the work of healing, but the Holy Spirit is completing it and bringing it to pass. The Holy Spirit is your perfecter. Now I want to look at um, two more scriptures and we're going to be done. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And you, I'm just going to read it to you. You can turn there if you want. But this scripture is... Oh, man, when I started to think we were coming to do the Behold Conference, this is the scripture that the Lord quickened to me, and I got so excited, I almost, I don't even know what I almost did. Let's see here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or changed into the same image from glory to glory is healing a miracle of healing in your life is that a product of the glory of god absolutely that is the glory of god man the glory of god is just everything good about god that is just a the glory of god you going from glory to glory you moving from one state to a greater state in your body, that's moving from glory to glory. That's being changed to look like Jesus. Now, I love this. It says, into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Was that you earning that glory? Was that you completing that work or changing you to look like Jesus? Can you do anything that will ever make you look like Jesus? No, this is saying you have to behold him or look at him. That's your job is to turn your eyes and look at him. Look at him. Go back and remember what he's done for you. Turn your eyes. Can you do anything to earn your healing? Yeah. 
No, you can do nothing to earn your healing. But who is it that does the work? Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When you turn your eyes to look at Jesus, when you turn your eyes to remember what he's done and completed for you, you will be changed in your body or in your emotions to look just like Jesus. And you know who will do the work? The Holy Spirit will do the work in you. He is your perfecter. The Spirit of God is your perfecter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love this in Hebrews chapter 13. In the message it says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit's job is to always turn your attention back to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. He finished it. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He was thinking about you all along. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of high honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. When you see yourself wavering, go back over the story of what Jesus did for you. Go back, look at him. Remember him. There's power in remembering him. There's power in thanksgiving. Go back over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. There's the power of remembering what Jesus finished for you. And the Holy Spirit will be there to show you all along the way. He will be there all along the way to bring this completed work to perfection in your body. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, this is your last scripture, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing. This is my prayer for you this morning. I'm convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began... A good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his return in this life now, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to its full completion in you. The Holy Spirit is your perfecter. God, behold him as your father. This morning, behold Jesus as your finisher and behold the Holy Spirit as your perfecter. Let him do what only he can do.